Pure Dog Talk is the voice of purebred dogs. We talk to the legends of the sport and give you the tips and tools to create an awesome life with your purebred dog. From showing to preservation breeding, from competitive obedience to field work, from agility to therapy dogs, and all the fun in between, your passion is our purpose. Welcome to Pure Dog Talk. I am your host, Laura Reeves, and I am so excited, you guys. This is a long overdue interview. It is the kickoff for our Love the Breeds Month. We are being joined today by Carolyn Coyle. She is a Saluki breeder. She is a very, very famous author. She is amazing opportunity to talk to Carolyn and talk about Salukis. Pure Dog Talk is proudly sponsored by Trupanion, medical insurance for the life of your pet. Trupanion can give you peace of mind knowing your pet is covered in the event of an unexpected accident or illness. Even better, Trupanion can pay your veterinarian directly and has no payout limits, so you'll never have to choose between what's best for your pet and what's best for your wallet. And if you're a breeder, you can join Trupanion's free breeder support program and get a special offer to share with your puppy buyers that waives all the waiting periods, so coverage goes into effect immediately. And when I was at the garden this summer, I was hanging out with Trupanion and I got a chance to catch up with Cindy. She's a breeder who's a member of Trupanion's breeder support program. And she shared the following testimonial with us. She said that Trupanion has been the best and saved me thousands of dollars. My puppy buyers love it and I hope they always stick with it. A dog is never going to have an accident on payday. It's always when the money is tight. Cindy, you are dead on about that. So take a moment, guys. Sign up for Trupanion's free breeder support program now so you and your litters can be prepared for anything. Get started by heading over to my partner page, puredogtalk.com. I mean, Salukis to me, Carolyn, are always that dog, the Ur dog, right? The dog that was birthed from the head of Zeus. So I would love it if you would start with history, talking about the history of this breed that is, to me, quite unique and quite remarkable. Oh, wow. Well, first of all, thank you. This is an amazing chance, and I'm probably going to make you all crazy hearing about Salukis and Salukis and Salukis, but history of Salukis. I'm not the biggest authority of their history, but nobody is unless you're God, I guess, because like you say, they are from way back. So, yes, we see all the, oh, the Saluki is the oldest breed of dog. Yes, they are one of probably 10 dogs that whose DNA evidence would point to that. If you put us all in a room, we'd have a big slug fest over whether it's the Pekingese or one sort of the Spitz breeds or, or another. So, you know, it is obviously the Saluki, though. Let's just be honest. But I will... <laughs> that's what they want to believe. That's fine. So we do see, you know, and yeah, I mean... <laughs> 
I we have bones draped all over your furniture. This is perfect for YouTube watchers. Yes. You're going to have to check out the Salukis <laughs> draped on the furniture. So we see like Salukis and Egyptian, those mummies and everything. And of course they look like Salukis because they're all bones. But I don't think that really defines it. I don't think we can tell that well. <laughs> that's probably not but, the indicator that that's why they're the oldest. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that looks like a skeleton. Must be a Saluki. It's like, okay, oh here I am already off topic. All these dogs you'll find on Pet Finder and they say, oh, Saluki mix. And I'm like, why do they think that? The only thing it looks like a Saluki is that it's really thin when you picked it up off the street. But right. you know, otherwise it looks like a St. Bernard. So anyway, yes, we have a lot of artwork that does indicate that there were Saluki-like dogs. And by Saluki-like dogs, I'm going to say something that I would call the whole land race family of Tazi. And there are these dogs and they have this already unique coat pattern. And we see them all over the Middle East, but not just the Middle East, but everywhere the Silk Road went. We see them in China. And obviously it's pretty easy to take this dog and bring it with you to trade or hunt or whatever. So, I mean, we know that some of the first Salukis that came to the western part of the world, to England, were there by the 1700s because there was a famous painting in the Dog Museum of Zilla, a dog. And she was actually exhibited at the London Zoo, which I've told from mine, they're oh kind of like God. zoo animals too. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> But she was a very, you know, if we can judge from this painting, a gorgeous black and tan, very refined, long feathering, mm-hmm. would have won in the show ring today. And then, of course, we have the Ward painting, which is from the 1800s, I believe. I mean, this dog is drop-dead gorgeous, mm-hmm. painted, of course, in his style that is so exotic and so graceful. But really, as a show dog, and I'm jumping up now to the late 1800s, I don't know if he wanted to go there or not. I mean, you know, I love watching a breed progress. And in the case, I think, to a degree of the Saluki, not really change very much. Yeah, I mean, we always have that argument in every breed. Do we want to preserve or improve? Mm -hmm. And my argument is we can do both because just because a dog is from its country of origin, we have in Salukis, we can talk about that later. We have that unique situation. Does it mean he is the perfect dog? Just like after one of us breeds a dog in our breeding program for five generations, it doesn't mean that everyone steps out of the whelping box, the perfect example of what we were trying. You know, there's like, well, I wish I could have had the head of this one and the feet of this one and the angulation of this one. So I feel like, you know, that is our quest. Even when these dogs came out of the desert to try to combine the head of this one and, you know, the top line of this one and the hunting ability of that one, you know, there's a lot of dogs that are great hunters. And this is a current argument now There's some people that define Saluki as, can it hunt? And I say that is a necessary but not sufficient definition of a Saluki. Lots of dogs are great coursing dogs, but they're not Salukis. And they might even be great coursing dogs in the desert. But if we're going to show this dog, we still want them to have certain attributes that have nothing to do with hunting. You know, we still want a head that doesn't look like a Borzoi's head. You know, in Salukis, we want 
high set ears. There's no reason for that. We just want it. Um, <laughs> so it doesn't serve a specific function. You just think it's pretty. I like that. I like that. That's you know, I think it's to distinguish them from Afghan hounds, actually. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. the whole mm-hmm. thing because Afghan hounds are, according to DNA evidence and common sense, they're their closest relatives. Right. With Saluki first, am I understanding correctly? Or we don't? We know. don't know. In my mind, oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. In some of the Afghan people's mind, no, it was the Afghan. So, but, you know, we let them go along and think that. So, but anyway, you know, we want to differentiate one breed from the other so we can say there's more than just coat. And there's a lot of differences between them now. Absolutely. Not sure if it was then. Absolutely. So. Some differences between the breeds now. And so as they came to if you will, the West, right? England and then to the U.S. And people used them as hunting dogs, but also as companion dogs. And this is a breed designed to hunt gazelle in very harsh climate, right? Right. I mean, some people try to say they were royal dog of Egypt. And I think they were the Bedouin dog of the Middle East. You know, I think that there were two different families, those that went with the Bedouin and they probably hunted hare and rabbit and helped fill their pot with that, whatever they could catch. Mm -hmm. And then I think there were some that the royalty took out on the giant gazelle hunts, which Mm -hmm. would have been a great King Tut and all that sort of thing, a a great sport, but probably not a cost efficient one in terms of, you know, calories per what you can bring back. Yeah, eating. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You know, let's just, if you can catch a Jerboa or something, yay, you know, that's great. Versus if you have to run four or five miles to catch a gazelle, you know, and then you're going to have to feed the whole gazelle to the Saluki. I don't know. Right. right. <laughs> Doug worked really hard for that gazelle, man. <laughs> exactly. You know, and they had the falcon that would help and fly down and fly at the gazelle's head and peck at his eyes and disorient. It's really kind of cheating there, but... That's a fabulous story I I haven't heard. I like that. Yeah. Well, yes, they actually would hunt in concert with each other to Mm -hmm. get this achieved. They don't do that now, but I would suggest that anyone who has an interest, go to YouTube and look for Saluki Gazelle Hunt. And they do hunt gazelles with them still. But, you know, instead of Arabian horses, they're in Jeeps. But the astounding thing is the distances that this takes before they overtake the gazelle and it's miles. And these Salukis are going at full blast, double suspension gallop. It's like, I don't think mine could do that. I would love to say mine could do that, but I'm like, damn, these dogs are good. (laughs) And even their Saluki racing, they have track racing, but it lasts for miles. They actually suspend a gazelle on the back of a truck. (laughs) And drive oh around in the, the Saluki's chase. That's, that's entertainment it. at a whole other level. Yes, it is. <laughs> right. And they chase along with their $5 billion Rolls Royce SUVs. And <laughs> oh my gosh. It's become a big deal. And they win cars and stuff. Oh so, my gosh. That's crazy. Yeah, very different now than what it used to be. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and I hear it's a dog podcast. So we get to hear dog voices at one yes. point. Yes. I saw somebody waving their feet in the air on the couch. <laughs> and this is, I don't know if you can see them. So yeah. Oh up. yeah, that's Saluki. <laughs> I call them breathing furniture. 
So, so I think that's actually a really beautiful transition to our next talking point, living with Salukis, you know, because most of us today are not chasing gazelles in our Rolls Royce. We're, we're looking for a dog that will be beautiful and elegant and live in our home. So talk so, to us about that. You know, if you talk to a lot of Saluki people, they will tell you, oh, they're hard to live with. No, I don't think they are. Now, granted, I haven't had a lot of other breeds to compare. I do have a little Jack Russell mix next to me and I had a couple pit bulls for a while. That <laughs> I'm going to say that the Salukis are actually pretty easy. They have their good points. You probably would not guess that at this moment I have 12 adults and four four-month-old puppies loose in the adjoining room. No, I would not have guessed that. And it would look <laughs> like that if my 12 dogs were all run amok in my house. So. Right. And they might have five minutes of milling around or, you know, playing and stuff. And then this is it. This is 23 and a half hours out of the day, pretty much. Um, that is... That is nudge them um, so they can eat. Yes. That is definitely an advantage to the Sluki on many of the sight hounds is how peaceful they are when they're not going Right. They're peaceful and they're not fighting with each other. They're not fighters. They get along. This is the norm. They like to sleep in your bed. They won't stay off your furniture. They are climbers. I put a picture the other day, my bookcase, my desk here, one of them was up and I have one that can get on the refrigerator. Um, Well, she doesn't just jump up from the floor. She gets on the counter beforehand and won't stay off that though. So because I put, you know, stuff on the refrigerator to keep it away from her. So that doesn't last long. What's bad about them? The bad thing about them is if your goal is to go hiking with your dog off leash, you can do it. As I said, I've had Saluki since I was 17 and that was my hobby. I took them hiking every day. They didn't run off much, but One reason they didn't run off that much is because I did it every day Mm -hmm. and they were used to it. But I live on a hundred acres here and we were walking our dogs. My next neighbor has an Australian shepherd and a deer runs by. Both dogs go to chase it. She calls her dog and the dog stops and returns. I've never seen anything like that in my life. I was like, what just happened here? And she's like, why aren't you calling your dog? And I'm like, why would I? It'd be a waste of breath. He's gone. <laughs> yeah, it's like it never once even occurred to me to call mine because I'm not stupid. I've lived through that enough to know if he even registered it, he would register it as, go get him, boy. <laughs> right, so, right, right. So if you are going to be flipped out about your dog not coming when called, about it chasing wildlife, catching wildlife, killing wildlife. It which, might not be the breed for you. <laughs> it might not be the breed for you. You know, they've killed deer here. Mm-hmm. Raccoon, possum. Let's just stop there. Armadillo. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So I think one of the things that I think is really important to get across to folks that want to live with what I sort of jokingly to my friends refer to as doggy arm candy. They're really beautiful. They're really (laughs) elegant. You know, and I say that about Borzoi as well. Some of the other sighthounds. The important part to remember is they're dogs and they're really long developed natural instincts are to chase and kill things. And to do that very independently. (laughs) I sort of think their whole motto is that saying, if looks could kill. Mm. 
Mm. And it does because you look at their breed standards and that is basically define a Saluki breed standard in four words, if looks could kill. They do. (laughs) So, and personality too. So yeah, and the other thing, I get a lot of inquiries from new pet owners saying, you know, we really like to jog. We're marathon runners. And we heard that Salukis are long distance runners. And I have to say, yeah, they're long distance sprinters, if that makes any sense. They can run at full double suspension gallop longer than any other breed. Mm -hmm. But I guarantee you that if you put one on a leash and you try to trot with it for any length of time, it's like dragging an anchor behind you. They're not into that. (laughs) They like to go full speed. (laughs) Right. Right. And... I'm seeing the vision of a Saluki's face being asked to trot along beside somebody when they really want oh, to yeah. be galloping. Exactly. And it's cool, so now your arm is getting pulled off. <laughs> the pure disdain that goes with that. Like, yes. really? Are you kidding me? Yes. This is stupid. Yeah, exactly. Why are we going so slow? Mm-hmm. And then the other thing I would say is that, I don't know about other breeds, but Saluki's are the biggest complainers of the dog world. Oh, it's too hot. It's too cold. Oh, this is too They're like, you know, what is it? The little Goldilocks. Right, Goldilocks. Nothing's good enough for them. <laughs> yeah, it's like. Well, I think that's why people hot, say they're cold, royalty because they act like they're royalty. Yeah, I think they're like the homeless person who you try to invite in and give a few nice things. And he's like, no, this isn't good enough. And it's like. I I showed, I campaigned one total Saluki. I've been around a lot, but I showed one and he Uh was the funniest dog in the world. He used to crack me up. His mother would bring him to meet me to go to the dog show. He would fling himself on the ground and scream as if I had beaten him 20 times. And then she would walk to her car and he'd say, all right, fine. He'd jump in the motorhome, go up on my bed and sleep in my bed all weekend and refuse to drink out of a bucket because at home he always drank out of the toilet. And so Oh my god. <laughs> and God. And to God, I had to teach the dog how to drink out of a bucket. Oh Threatened god. to buy him one shaped like a toilet. <laughs> Someone just, would make a fortune if we did yes, that. <laughs> yes. Hang tight, guys. Got a little bit of information for you. We'll be right back to the podcast in a minute. Alright, crew. I hear from folks pretty much daily asking for a specific topic or for a series of podcasts on a topic. So ask and you shall receive. (laughs) I've done all the hard work. I've sorted, searched, and compiled eight different albums from the archives on our most popular topics. And when I say there's a podcast for that, I ain't just a woofin. Getting yours today is super simple. Just jump on puredogtalk.com backslash store and click the PDT albums image. And when you're in there, you're going to find a collection of veterinary voices. You're going to find a collection for breeding and whelping hands-on. You'll find Pure Dog Talk University on dog breeding. Love the breeds. Up your game owner handlers, the interviews, events and sports. There is so much there. And once you're in those links, you'll be able to read the details of the topic. For a special introductory price of a buck 99, 
you get a link to dozens, up to more than a hundred episodes on these specific topics. And while you're there, if you or a friend or family member are just getting started, even just starting a search for your first well-bred purebred dog, you can also check out Auntie Laura's Beginner's Guide to Show Dogs at puredogtalk.com backslash book to get the foundational Pure Dog Talk episodes with bonus tracks. So hop on it, y'all. These special prices will not last. This is my incredibly limited experience. And I think something important to discuss, people talk on these match me a breed things. They talk about aloof or Velcro. To me, I would say aloof. What would be your thought on that? Yeah, they were more aloof. My friends have dogs. They go to the bathroom and the dogs all get up and trot into the bathroom with them. I was like, why would they do that? That's That's weird. weird. Mine are like, they're in bed. You're trying to get up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom. You're like, come on, let me out. They're lying on your feet. You're like, I gotta go. (laughs) They're not getting out of your way. You're pulling yourself out from under and you're crawling over them. You're finally there. And it's like, anyone want to come with me? Are you kidding me? (laughs) No. So they are a little bit, I'm not going to call them Velcro, but I don't think they adjust as well. Maybe this is me being a mamby-pamby mom to being handed off to new homes and handlers and such. I think they're very wary about a change in circumstance like that. And my mental image is you could hand a lab off and you've got a treat and he's like, oh, that was great. And you do that with a saluki. They're not going to eat. You know, they're not eating a treat. They're not eating dinner. I'm going to be able to tell you in another week because I'm actually for the first time in 45 years sending one of my dogs off with a handler for the weekend. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Yeah. This is taking. I can tell you my experience. I know other (laughs) folks that show handlers. Tafari was fine once mom wasn't standing there seeing him throw a fit. Then he was fine. Yeah, I think that's probably the case. So he was completely fine. We'll see. I hope so. So. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay, so, so we can have a whole conversation, Carolyn, about how dogs feed off their owners. <laughs> yes. I'll be there. I was like, crying. No, don't do that. Please don't do that. It'll be fine. Your handler will fire you. <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, so for the new home, does not do well off leash without lots of training. Aloof with strangers, attached to its owner, but not glued to the hip. Yeah, I would say that. Attached, but doesn't want to show its feelings. <laughs> kind of the sort, doesn't want They're you to know They're all masculine? Is this what you're trying to tell me? Yeah, exactly. I had wanted a show once, and this little girl was petting him, and he's just standing there. And this particular dog's name was Stanky. He loved to be petted, but he would always just freeze. And I said, he really likes that. And this girl was so cute. She says, oh, he has a hard time showing his feelings. <laughs> and I was like... Yes, that's exactly it. (laughs) Yeah, I just got to keep it all contained. (laughs) So I started with a dog who was very shy. And back when I started in Salukis in the 70s, this was the problem that most of them had. We had shy, 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 shy. And I had one in the 80s that was very shy. And I decided that I would not compromise ever in breeding because I like doing obedience and, you know, I like doing agility as time went on. And so I haven't, I haven't compromised. And now 
created a monster, I think, of golden retriever Salukis that are like, oh, mm-hmm. what? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. So I have frozen semen from that shy dog left. I'm thinking of breeding back to it. <laughs> it's like, I got to tone this down a little bit. I think that that's actually kind of an important thing to talk about, too is how is the breed generally, for someone who wants to acquire a Saluki, what are the things they're going to do with their Saluki other than drape it across their furniture in sort of a elegant fashion? Yeah. So, of course, if you want to do any of the dog sports, confirmation is an extremely easy thing for a new owner handler. This breed is easy to show, easy to groom. You don't need to be a professional. You just need to be not even competent. <laughs> the point scale's easy. <laughs> you just need to sort of stumble around the ring. And, you know, I'm not going to say it's that easy, but if you want to get into showing, it's not a poodle or a dobe or a golden or a Frenchie, right. you know, or an Afghan. This right. is brush the ears. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and brush then the you ears, pretty much the tail, fluff the toes, off you go. Exactly. <laughs> a little bit, you know, neat in the underline and you're good. Mm. So that's good. <laughs> Second would be lure coursing. Well, let me back up. I would suggest Fast Cat as your intro to lure coursing. Yes. It's a great way to train them and expose it. Find out if the dog wants to chase a lure or not. It's nothing wrong with a dog who doesn't want to chase a lure. It's just not something he considers a game. I find it has zero to do with prey drive. It has everything to do with toy drive. So my puppies that are the same thing. (laughs) No, my puppies who are object oriented and like to play with toys tend to be mine that like to lure course. Dogs that don't lure course still are bloody killers. I've found next to that. There's okay. Obedience. Your Saluki will be the first one in its obedience class to learn the long stays. They are great at, the downstay. This is their forte. <laughs> um, <laughs> basically, <laughs> sit, stay. Uh, I don't heel know. Off sit leash. For a I'm minute. interested on how, how the heel off leash goes. <laughs> eh, so, okay. We went to the national this year and I had a dog that I only start training my dogs after I enter. I mean, she knew the basics. She had a couple rally legs, so she knew that much. And then I said, okay, so you've got to learn the rest to do a regular novice obedience routine. And we don't have a class to go to, but on the way there, I stopped at two lows and we healed inside the garden center and somebody came to pet him and I asked to do a stand for exam. So that was her only practice. I forgot to do the heel off leash. So to make the long story short, she won high in trial. (laughs) Now this sounds great. Is they're really quick studies and they don't like repetition. That's what I'm getting from this. And she won high in trial, but she did it because she was the only one to qualify and her score was a 174. So again, you want to succeed quickly, get a Saluki. If you get your CD in one year, you're in the top 10. Guaranteed. (laughs) If you won high in trial at the Albreed show, the Saluki might not be for you. No, I think I've won the class once at an Aubrey trial, but we did retire the obedience trophy this year. So <laughs> did an interview years ago with a gal that was really famous for doing obedience with Scottish deer hounds. A lot oh. of this. Oh, like super uh-huh. famous. Like she's got UDX dogs and Och dogs. Wow. And you're like, yeah. That's unheard of. <laughs> that is crazy. There's been six Salukis with UD titles wow. in history. 
so nobody people who don't know what the utility title is it is the highest level of obedience testing yes. and they have to retrieve and they have to do things that are not really natural for saluki right right they do scent discrimination mm-hmm. even the people with goldens call it futility so it's hard. It's a tough, it is a tough <laughs> And I, my hat goes off to these people. I don't know how they do it. Even in tracking, there have been seven Salukis with tracking dog titles. Wow. This is not one sport I would say, gee, get a Saluki. Tracking right. will be fun. Right. No. Maybe agility, an <laughs> Yeah. Agility. I love doing agility. It's my favorite sport with the dogs. But Salukis are notorious for getting the zoomies. I don't know why. Mine don't. There's something I'm doing in, in my training that others don't. And I think the difference is, is that I love speed. One reason I love Salukis is I love showing them. I love being able to run fast. And when I'm in the agility ring, I like to run fast. I like to see them jump fast. And I train for speed. I don't train for accuracy. So they miss their contacts. I don't care. I don't believe in contacts. I really don't. I don't get me started. I, I can do a contact. No. Okay. Here's the thing. They are supposed to be for safety so the dogs don't leap off the top, you know, and hurt themselves. But when you have a dog with a Saluki stride, they can't. They can't not. They will run into the ground. If they run at speed and try to hit the contact, they would actually do a somersault. So it's a very dangerous thing to try to teach them to do a running contact. So instead, you have to make the two on, two off and slow them down so they so. In other words, you have to suck the fun out of agility. (laughs) And I just don't do that. I just like, you know what? You want to run. If you hit it, you hit it. And once in a while, we'll hit it and we'll qualify. The other problem of running a Saluki, both the problem and the good thing, they're so freaking pretty going over the jumps that as the handler, I've caught myself going, oh, it's so pretty. (laughs) And meanwhile, the dog's three obstacles ahead of you. Exactly. But the good thing is, is when you come off the course and you failed, which is the norm, (laughs) all the people that were watching going, he was so pretty. That was amazing. It was gorgeous. Just the jumping. And it's like, yeah. And if you don't fail, if you actually pass, everyone thinks you're a genius (laughs) because you've passed with a Saluki. And if you fail again, it's, you know, nothing against you. You tried with a Saluki. He jumped seven jumps. Oh my God, you must be the master trainer. So you, is, you know, it's that a is amazing. situation. <laughs> I would amazing. never, never do agility with a border collie. That's a yeah. no win situation at all. <laughs> and it's no fun. I mean, perfect is boring. <laughs> exactly. Plus the horse gets over so fast. I don't know. <laughs> so yeah. longevity. I mean, this is an old, uh, ancient, ancient breed. And relatively healthy, yeah? Relatively, yes. You would think we would be prone to bloat, gastric torsion. Mm -hmm. No. Large, deep-chested breed. We don't get that. Lung torsion, we can get, but it's still very rare. Our big killers are hemangiosarcoma, like so many large breeds, and probably followed by dilated cardiomyopathy. Mm -hmm. We have a couple of rare neurological diseases and rare, 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 rare is what I'm going to say. But at least there's a DNA test for them. So that's what brings them up on the map. Other than that, there's pretty much nothing. We don't get hip dysplasia. We don't get PRA. 
I would consider like if I lose a dog before they're 12, I consider I've been ripped off. If I lose one after that, I consider I have bonus years. So 12 to 13 would be the okay. norm, I would They're say. Kind of sweet yes. Spot. Okay. Mm-hmm. Good. And they're very healthy generally to the end. They don't right. get like, you know, DM or degenerative myelopathy. And, yeah. Right. They don't get allergies. They all test low thyroid, but that's a sight hound thing and it's their norm. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of blood. If you take them to the vet and the vet, takes their blood and says, oh, my God, he's got, you know, such a high hematocrit and the platelet levels are low. Say, pretend he's a greyhound and just pretend it's greyhound blood. And now tell me if you think it's abnormal. And they go, oh, yeah, it's fine. (laughs) Okay. Okay. That's good information, I think. And I assume that's something that breeders are telling their buyers, you know, in case they're going to a veterinarian that's never seen a purebred sighthound that has some of these issues. Right. There is a weird thing that, so for years I've been lying to people, not on purpose. You know, you walk the dog down the street, hey, is that a greyhound? And I'm trying to be nice. I go, no, but it's like they're cousins. They're close relatives. It's the Saluki and this is the Middle Eastern version. Well, I didn't know I was lying. They're not related at all. (laughs) So apparently, you know, according to the DNA... Yeah, according to DNA evidence, you have two clades, two family mm-hmm. groups of sighthounds. One is the older one, which is called the Mediterranean clade, and it has Salukis, Afghan hounds, Abizans, Pharaohs, also Kuvas, Anatolian shepherds. <laughs> um, even a Wait, great Pyrenees is distant because they all came right, from that right. Turkish area. Right. And they some, you know, the Saluki, I believe, is behind the Anatolian and probably, I'm going to guess, related to the Kuvas, mm-hmm. you know, somewhat, not vice versa. Probably so you have that, that family grouping. Right. Then you have another family grouping that's over there in the British Isles, mostly, or in Europe, and it's Borzoid, Greyhound, Whippet, Scottish Deerhound, Irish Wolfhound. And these dogs actually have herding breed. They are related to herding breeds. And these two families are not related. It's kind of an example of convergent evolution, sort of, where these dogs have been selected to hunt by sight and speed. And interestingly, they have gone toward the same body form in doing so and the same blood differences and a lot of the same personalities. But I was going to say temperament traits, right? No, not totally. I get a lot of people, again, they've had rehomed greyhounds. They love their greyhounds so much, and now they want a Saluki. Mm. I don't know why. And I have to tell them that's great. You know, some of the same problems. The greyhounds will chase. The Salukis Mm. will chase. But I'm here to tell you that the greyhound is probably going to mind you better than the Saluki. Mm. You know, he will at least try to. The Whipple especially will. And the Saluki's going to give you the middle finger if he doesn't feel like it. I always tell people that another difference between Salukis and Afghans is that when things don't go their way, Afghans are drama queens. They scream and fling themselves about. Yes. Salukis tend to shut down. They pout. Mm. And that's, you know, if you're showing a Saluki, anyone who knows, it's like, oh, you don't do anything to get them upset because don't they're going to pout. Don't make them mad. Okay, you got that. Yeah, don't make them mad. They're going to walk around the ring now and just pout and drag their feet. <laughs> so Put their ears down. And- 
right, and I'm not eating that bait. You can't make me. I'm like, yeah, well, thanks. You're right. I couldn't. <laughs> it is a challenge to tail train a Saluki because <laughs> this exact issue. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, but I don't want his tail that high. (laughs) Right. I mean, and this is a problem. I now have dogs with tails that are wagging over their back and people's like, well, your dog's tails are too high. It's like, well, I mean, I guess I could get them scared like everybody else's, but I think I came up with something recently though. And basically it's just making them, you know, the thought is you can train anything, they just have to be aware of it. And they're not aware that the tail is something they have conscious control over. Right. So just putting something on the tail that says, hey, this is your tail. This is a piece of tape mm-hmm. on your tail. Mm-hmm. They're like, what's that? Okay, put your tail down. And now you get a treat. Okay. It's much better than that. People say, mm-hmm. oh, you know, whack it with a stick, which doesn't work, by the way. <laughs> not for a Saluki. <laughs> no, because their solution is, well, fine. I just won't move. <laughs> I, I will mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So you got to make it fun. And they really are capable of learning so much more than people give them credit for. It pains me when people do say, oh, you can't train a Saluki because you really can. I think it's kind of an excuse because they don't want to train a Saluki. Your <laughs> thought, I frequently try to explain to people the difference a Labrador, everybody says it's smart because it does what you want it to. And I say, no, they're not very smart. They're going to run after that stupid ball 500 times and not get anything out of it except the joy of running after the stupid ball 500 times. The Saluki isn't going to run after the stupid ball. You go get your own ball, lady. Yeah. But you know what? He would run himself into the ground after a lure mm-hmm. or a rabbit. So it kind of depends on what they're bred to think is the most fun in the world. I'm going to take that back a little ways. Salugis don't do pain. So mm-hmm. if you're on the coursing field and they hurt themselves, they might continue. But if it's a bad hurt, they'll stop. And I like that about them versus mm-hmm. the greyhound. I had a friend who's snapped its Achilles tendon on the field, finished the course mm-hmm. with his leg just hanging and flopping about. And that's how they are. They would continue to run. And that. Another difference between if, if you run dogs, I consider it a greyhound versus a saluki. Think of a greyhound as your dragster. Think of the saluki as your dune buggy. Yeah. And a dune buggy can flip over and it's got these big tires like the saluki has the big feet. Right. And it'll be fine. I mean, so many times my dogs coursing have done, I mean, multiple rolls and flips and they're all going, oh, and they get up and they're like, they don't even break stride. You know, they're back at it. Greyhound does that. He won't break stride either, but he probably broke something. Broke something. Yeah. 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 (laughs) So. Oh my gosh. All right. Well, Carolyn, thank you so much. It has been a true pleasure to visit with you about your beloved breeds. Been great. Thank and you to so share much. It with our listeners, um, <laughs> just a little inside tip look for Carolyn and I to talk about some other things in the coming months. So that would be fun. And I'm so relieved. One other thing I'll get in Saluki's how they do group house. Nobody did it during this whole talk. (laughs) (laughs) I'm amazed. Yay. That doesn't happen. It was the growling before we came on air that they were growling at the couch. I'm like, why are you growling at the couch? (laughs) Exactly. 
Oh my gosh. All right, Carolyn. Thank Thank you so much. much. All right. As always, if you have any questions or input, we'd love to hear from you. The show notes and links to resources on today's topic are available at puredogtalk.com. Drop us a note in the comments or email to laura at puredogtalk.com. Remember, guys, this podcast is for you. So if you want to know something, give me a holler. We'll do a podcast for you. If you wouldn't mind, you could help me out here. Take a couple minutes to visit iTunes and give us a review. The Dog Show Superintendents Association is a proud supporter of Pure Dog Talk. Our Dog Show Superintendents are the hardworking people who make the dog show function. They are advocates for education and mentorship in the purebred dog fancy. So stop by the Supers Desk at your next show. Tell them how much you love Pure Dog Talk and give them a shout out for their support. That's all for today. Thank you for joining us on Pure Dog Talk.